Welcome to episode 142 of the McSauce Comic Book Podcast. My name is Paul McGinty. With me, as always, are Ian Sharpley. Hello. And Matt Cassell. I was going to have my hate like, drawn out like that, but I couldn't copy you. I beat you to it. God damn it. From now on, I'm going second. All right. Next episode. R- remind me next week. We'll start doing that and then, then Ian. Yeah. One quad. One quad trace. Trace? Yeah. One quad trace. Alright. So you're Matt. Hello. There we go. It is Monday night, February 29th. Happy Leap Day, everyone. Yeah. Are there any leap things that we do? How do you celebrate? Did you leap to work? Did you leap anywhere? No? I, I kept seeing stuff all day. Like, do something extra today. Do something that... You normally wouldn't do today. See, that's bullshit. So I, I take... jerked off five times <laughs> instead of four times. See, I did 29 times for, you know, being the 29th oh. of February. I wonder your hands you are, are so raw. You are dry, son. Because that's like, if you do it 29 times, you gotta be, you gotta change it up. You gotta do, like, picks. <laughs> you gotta videos. do, like, overhand. Yeah. That's and then a... you gotta do, like, under your leg. Oh, you gotta man. pull that shit down. Do it on the toilet a couple times. Different hands, different lubrication. You gotta just crunch. Sometimes you got a food, like just mash up a banana. <laughs> you and... gotta try to just squeeze it between your thighs. <laughs> I feel like it's do different. It with your feet. It's different that like oh, you can you do that? You can't do I can't with do your that. Feet. I'm I'm so inflexible. I I've yeah. never been able to touch my toes, so there's no way I can jerk myself off with my feet. Matt, if you're I, looking pretty I wish, good over I there, wish we had video because it's looking like If feet I jack use off. my hands to like assist my feet. To rub your feet on your dick, you I weirdo. I probably do it, but... That would be such a gross cleanup. Would it? I think because, it would. Well, Why are you asking that? You have that weird thing about you don't like things between your toes. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I really think don't. I covered that for 142 episodes. Yeah, I, I don't. That's why I don't wear sandals. Like, it's fucking weird. You don't wear sandals. I'm a big no. sandals guy. I know, and I'm that's I'm a big between-the-toes guy. Sandals are for ladies. I'm actually not. I've taken some heat lately for being a foot guy. I'm really not. Who was giving you foot heat? A handful of people. Or if you combine I mean, them, it's feet. But, <clears throat> um, it's F-E-A-T. <laughs> Who was giving you shit about that? They don't know you. Do they know? I've made enough comments. I've made enough comments. Hair in the shower, people. Get your fucking fetishes straight. Oh, wet hair. Wet hair in the shower. Fetishes straight. That's why I showed you that picture of Selena Gomez coming out of the fucking ocean. The beautiful blue ocean. Gomer. We're going to talk about Selena Gomez later. We can. Before we talk about Selena Gomez, why don't we talk about housekeeping? With Ian Sharpley. We can talk about housekeeping. We're going to keep the house clean at mixauce.com. You can check it out at said mixauce.com. Comic strips, podcasts, sometimes reviews, all that good stuff. Did you just say you can check out mixauce.com? At mixauce.com. I certainly did. I did. Smooth. It was smooth. Facebook page. If you're listening, by the way. If you're listening right now, you found us, congratulations. You know where to find us. We're on Facebook. We're on iTunes. Stitcher Radio, my preferred way to listen to the Mixed I, I like podcast. that too, by the way. I don't mean to criticize your entire housekeeping tonight, but... No, I like it. Go ahead. We're, we're, 
we're congratulating the new listeners rather than thanking them for showing up. It's like, congratulate. we're Donald Trumping them right now. Congratulations, you have found the best podcast. In, in honor of his uh, coronation. By the, yeah, by the time you hear this, it might be a done deal. Right, uh, so sorry, unfortunately. But I'm pretty sure that the loyal fans have told the new fans where that where they can find our lovely podcast. It is on iTunes, Stitcher, Podomatic, and the old school episodes are on mcsaucepodcast.libsyn.com. And that's pretty much it. We don't have anything to plug tonight. We're just going to dig right into the the beef, the meat of the episode. Paul, what is the beef of the episode tonight? The beef. The beef. The beef? <laughs> the beef of the episode is twofold. We're going to... Twofold to beef? <laughs> Double meat episode. Double meat. I said beef, not roast beef. Oh, We're gonna talk how to... dare you. <laughs> Come on, we were all thinking. This episode brought to you by Arby's. <laughs> I was gonna say this episode we have brought the to you by filth.com. We're gonna talk a, talk a little about Superman's birthday today. Happy, Happy birthday, birthday, Superman. Superman. Well done. You've made it a long time. Let me do this this math real quick here. Whoa, oh. 79 years old today. Oh, happy birthday. A, a virile, virile young man getting ready to show the world what he's got on March 25th. Happy birthday, Superman. Is it just me, or does that seem like not old enough? I feel uh, like Superman's older than that, but I mean, yeah. I guess he's not, but it feels like he should be. I would no, say at no. least 90. No. Maybe not, no? I'm making that up. No, no, not yet. Oh, I'm, I'm sure DC is going to blow it out for well, the centennial. What centennial. year did he premiere? 38? 37. 37. Okay, then. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna blow it out. We'll know when he's been around for a hundred years. Hmm. We may be dead by then. Uh, My fast not. food slash alcohol intake. I don't think I'm gonna see Superman Centennial. So no, when Superman really? for the best was created, Paul, you were seventeen. You were seventeen when it was seventeen. I was just you graduating. Had a paper route. I just had sex for the first time. Yeah, it's glorious. That's weird because back then, like, morals were a little bit different. <laughs> morals, morals existed. Morals. Oh. Morals. How did morals. you, uh, was it a prostitute or did you just, like, trick some young lady with your handsomeness? Trickery. Absolute trickery. Yeah, I, I can I was, see that. I, can I was buy the that. Chris Angel of the 30s. Oh, man. You're just like, uh, and poof. I was like, there look, goes her panties. I was like, look in your shoe. It's my penis. <laughs> see, that's why you're a foot guy. Oh, god damn it. Why don't, we, why don't we talk about our favorite Superman stories? Matt, what's your favorite Superman story? First one that comes to mind. It doesn't even have to be your favorite. What story do you think of when you think of Superman? Death of Superman. You love that story. I hold a really uh, soft spot in my heart for it. It yeah. was uh, one of my favorite comic book stories when I was younger. And um, it was, I mean, I remember the event. I remember how, uh, like, just kind of 
how how that event transcended just comic books like all of a sudden everyone was talking about something that i felt like only i was kind of into it was on the news um i mean it was like everywhere i remember my mom took me to the store to get the issue she lied to the guy that worked there and said well can i get two one for his brother too total lie they were god damn tony he didn't like any of that he, stuff. it wasn't for him tony Tom, was like i'm glad superman's dead do you want to know let me tell you something tony my brother my older brother actually the hurricane or uh, it, was, his it was his code name his code name for making big splashes in the pool when we would jump in was tidal wave tidal T. wave T. tidal wave T. now now tidal wave um actually did read some comics when we were younger he read a lot of the ones that i had but he actually collected he had his own small collection uh and he would get the mortal Kombat comics uh i forget who put those out ian do you remember i can't remember that at all it wasn't any of the big publishers It, it wasn't dark horse it wasn't image um I I don't remember because I don't even know who would have that license. If I had to guess, it would be Dark Horse. It, but it I feel like a, it's it even more a C or something. Like, like Dark Horse Cataclysm. was more prestigious than doing something like that. Um, I can't even. If it was nowadays, I, I'd guess Dynamite would have that, or I or IDW yeah, would yeah. have it. Now. This is before those companies. No, I know. But anyway, I, I can't guess. Anyway, the Tidal Wave had a small collection consisted of Mortal Kombat comics, and he would occasionally read mine. Now, big that, Mortal Kombat guy, huh? He, he would he would go to the arcade and play. Uh, well, the first Mortal Kombat game, but then the second game would come out, and I remember we would go to this arcade, the Smoky Arcade, when it was still cool and you could smoke inside and everything. Yeah, and then you would smoke in an arcade. And then and then you would you would like put your quarters on the machine to like basically say I got. Work. I got next, right? Yeah. And him and his one friend Brian would go down to this arcade, and they would just fucking beat everyone. And I thought, like, this was one of the few times when I looked up to my big brother and I was like, that's kind of cool. He's, like, beating everybody that challenges him. Um, and those two dudes basically owned the the arcade at Pocket Change Arcade in Ross Park Mall. And uh, Upstairs? I downstairs? It was downstairs. It was, downstairs. It was near... Um, <clears throat> what, what store would it have been near? It was kind of close to Suncoast Video. Um, <laughs> Suncoast Video. Right? Yeah. So uh, I remember I was terrible at Mortal Kombat. I always, as when I was younger, I preferred Street Fighter to Mortal Kombat until I got a little bit older. Then I think I started liking kind of the kind of tongue-in-cheek nature of Mortal Kombat. I started kind of getting it a little bit more. But anyway, this isn't about Mortal Kombat, and this certainly isn't about tidal waves. This is about Superman. Superman had the death of Superman. It was issue number 75 of Superman, and it came polybagged. And what was in it, Ian? You got a poster uh, that featured all the heroes basically at Superman's funeral walking with the casket. Uh, I believe even Batman was a pallbearer. I don't know if they made them wear those white gloves, though, in the, in the thing. I think, you know... I feel he could still have his, his blue glove. Yeah, they were like, oh, you got some semblance of a glove. I know you have the, the little... What are those things called on Batman's gloves? The, the, uh, the hooks or whatever. Yeah, they're, they're the like... Spikes. Uh, I don't bat know. spikes. The bat spikes. See, I don't know what came in the uh, polybag version. Because oh, let me tell you, Ian. Let, let well, me let me hear. You, you got this, the newsstand edition. I got both, so I'm a spoiled. Brat. Oh, so you never opened? I never. I still have a completely sealed Death of Superman. Yes, I do too. 
Um, but I opened the one that was uh, from the I, I got the sealed one, and then I got the newsstand version. Now, let's not... I don't want to... I realize that I'm, like, making this huge revelation that my mom lied to the guy at Collector's World back in 1992. But, hey, she had to do what she had to do. I needed two copies. Just making so, her son happy. Right. So Get on that. So, what, Paul? I was reminded... I don't remember what movie it was, but... Sally Field. Oh, it's Forrest Gump, where she fucks some dude to make her son happy, right? Yeah, my mom. Uh, um, to get Forrest into the school, yeah. I believe. Yeah, it's yeah. This was just to get a sort of book, not so, the same thing, but so you know. my mom didn't have to resort to such um, vile, such vile. Uh, hey, she, the way we started this episode off, I let me let me tell you, that's that's where we're at right now. My mom loved me. Okay, yeah, she's a saint. She would have so fuck you, Paul. She would have done what she had to do, but luckily, a simple lie did the trick. So, in in the poly bag, you got not only that poster, you got a black armband with the Superman S symbol on it in red foil ink or something. Please tell me you wore it to school the next day. Please tell me. I didn't, but I didn't know how to bind. It was, it was like it wasn't all the way around. It wasn't like a sweatband where there was elastic to it. Mm-hmm. It was, it was. You had to like fasten it yourself somehow. Either glue it or sew it or. Something. Oh really? That's yeah. crazy. So and and not only that, but it had a crease in the middle rather than like it wasn't. Well, it's all fucked up. It DC, was, get shit together. They're the worst. Well, actually, if I recall, this issue was only $2.50, which was a little higher than the $1.75 premium price that you would pay for comic books back then. Inflation. They, they range between a dollar and a $1.75, depending on what book it was. But this particular comic, I believe, was two fifty, And so with it, you got the poster, you got the armband, and you got, a, of course, I think it was a four-stamp set. Of really? Superman stamps, yeah, um, and you got a, a fake newspaper clipping uh, that that actually came in there, basically that chronicled you know from the Daily Planet the death of Superman, uh, and then of course you got the comic book. So I mean, you certainly got your money's worth. Uh, and I remember when I got it that night, uh, me and my family went out to to dinner, and I had brought it with me, and I was so excited about it. And it was like a talking point, like amongst my parents knew the owners of the restaurant, and like everybody kind of wanted to see this comic book. Like people that don't give a shit about comics, but because it had transcended the just comic book culture, it made the news. People were like, "Oh, let me see that," and it was kind of interesting. So yeah, that was like so far beyond a comic book story. It was an event. It was it was a, a moment in time that will ever will forever like live in my memory. So that's a big one to me. Another actual story that I remember that I really liked was the death of Clark Kent, which probably happened roughly seven years later. I don't remember this at all. It yeah. it was uh, it featured a, a character. You okay there, Paul? I don't think that picked I, up. <laughs> yeah, we've heard uh... that before. So <laughs> so uh, the death of Clark Kent featured a bad guy named Conduit, who basically oh, no Conduit. Yeah, so uh, like kind of this electric character. Um, and I, I don't really remember the, the main gist of the story, but essentially Superman had to, like, quote, kill Clark Kent to try to, like, get away from Conduit. He was going after his family, and he was trying to eliminate his alter ego as opposed to, like, 
you know, having Superman go into hiding or whatever. Uh, and it, it was one of those deals where, like, the storyline kind of bounced around from different Superman title, different Superman title. So it was, like, in Man of Steel, Superman Action Comics, all that stuff. And it was all... Um, it was, I forget how many issues it was. It was maybe like seven issues or maybe maybe it was 15. I don't know. But I liked it. Paul, are there any Superman stories that stick out with you? First one. First one comes to mind. Quick. Doesn't even matter your favorite. No. Doesn't matter. <laughs> All right. Fast. The first one that comes to mind is John Byrne's Man of Steel. Are there are there any text messages that settle you would like to down. answer? Settle the fuck down. Don't tell us to settle down. Tell the people that are texting we you got, to settle I, down. It's not me. Do I, the people know that you text that that you do a podcast, a nationally televised podcast? Televised. So, settle it down. <laughs> so S- syndicated? Are we syndicated? The first. We are. Libsyn. <clears throat> the first story I think of is. John Burns Man of Steel. Very yeah. good stuff. Because that kind of set everything in motion for the Superman mythology that I prefer, where Lex Luthor is a righteous businessman, and he does all his dark dealings behind the curtain. He's not some crazy mad scientist. I know for the New 52, they tried getting back to the mad scientist kind of thing, but I still think in this current climate, that doesn't work. The The... Clancy Brown animated series businessman Lex Luthor works best with Superman because Superman can't touch him. And that's the the fact that Superman can do all this shit. He has all these powers. He can do whatever he wants, but he's such a good guy. He still has to go through the legal system and Lex Luthor still finds a way to stick it to him. The that <clears throat> you know Oh, so inarticulate tonight. Do you think, Jay? I wonder why. Do you think that that I'm inarticulate plenty of times? Do you think that Lex Luthor actually is Donald Trump? I mean, like Donald Trump, that's not real hair on top, right? Like it's going to be amazing whenever he, you know, he he's getting sworn in some cold January day, and he just pulls the wig off. He's completely bald, right? And then he. He takes off his suit, and it's like that purple and green. <laughs> What's deal. horrifying is they actually had Lex Luthor become the president of the United States, like they what did. five years ago, something like that. Uh, uh, this was in the nineties, right? In that early, yeah. early two thousand. Okay, so it happened. Holy shit! Yeah. Foreshadowing. Talk about, talk about real life imitating art. I was I was actually thinking about that that tonight, but the podcast before the podcast when you guys were getting all this. Paul, all this you know political nonsense I wish the out people could systems. have heard what we are talking about. They like we're, typically think that we're bumbling boobs, Trump but we had some and great Rubio stuff. and Sanders and all this real life stuff. And I was like, man, do they play for the Vikings? I was like, who, who do I wish was president? And the first thing I thought was Lex Luthor. Yeah, well, you're about to get Lex it. Luthor that's would a, be the president. You are going to get it. That's a terrible I think, I person think to have Lex, be I think Lex Luthor president. Would, no, I don't think it would be. I don't no? think Lex Luthor would be a bad. Tell me why. Is it because president? he's a successful businessman that just speaks the truth right, whenever he talks? You have to understand. And, there's no real Superman to keep him in check. Because at his core, Lex Luthor wants what's best for the country. Like I think Donald Trump's kind of kooky. Like, I think all of this Donald Trump running for president stuff is is much entertainment for him. Like, 
can you believe I've gotten this far? He's like, like that's check what, it out. These people right. are yeah. Like and his and the further it goes, like the more like his I feel like his own mythology builds to himself, where he's like, oh my god, I, can you believe? Like I might do this, but I feel like Lex Luthor when he ran, he had a plan, he had a destination. Like he he knew what was up. He he knows how to be a leader. Lex Luthor does run a successful company he hasn't been bankrupted four times he knows that we what's know up. and yeah and you know yeah he does some shady stuff in the background but <laughs> some shady and, stuff but at his, high level super villainy but at his heart <laughs> lex Luthor wanted the best for america by americans so so he's kind of he's kind of a, a gray kind of uh Shades of Grey type of character. Yeah, and I, I think even... And I got shit for saying Count Dooku was kind of a Grey area character. But but Lex Luthor truly is. When you, when you look at it from the perspective of the DC hoi polloi. What is the, the DC hoi polloi? Just... The, the unwashed masses. The unwashed... The, of just the DC, DC comics citizens. Fans. Oh. No, not comic fans. The, the, the real the people. Public okay, okay. Of the real, the real public the, in the, the DC universe. The fake public of the DC universe. All they know is Lex Luthor is a stand-up guy. He runs a and he runs a, a multi-million-dollar empire. Mm-hmm. You know, we see him put on putting on the best face for the public mm-hmm. at all times. There's you know allegations. Of skirmishes with Superman, uh-huh. but we don't Nothing we don't really it. know. No one can prove anything. Right. So the people of the DC universe think, yeah, like Lex, he's a he's a decent guy. He can do this. Is that like how the people of the Marvel universe think that Norman Osborn's an okay guy? I don't know enough about Norman Osborn and the Marvel public to comment. It's a similar kind of thing. I mean, I mean, Norman became the president in Marvel Comics, correct? I thought he was really a like an out and out bad guy. I don't know at some what point, was though. he the president or was he the head of Shield? I feel like he was the head of Shield. Um, he could have been the president. I'm unsure, but. I think it's a little bit different because Superman in the DC Universe holds a different spot in the public's heart and minds than Spider-Man in the Marvel Universe does. Spider-Man's sort of like a character that is not looked upon favorably, doesn't have a lot of media presence behind him, a lot of goodwill, and um, actually has an entire paper that hates his guts. And puts out all of his mis, you know, his his failings out there. So Superman, all goodwill, all the time. Yeah, but there's still yeah. Superman is goodwill all the time, but Superman's not running for president. No, he's not. I'm just saying that when you're looking at Norman Osborn. His the biggest detractors can say, "Oh, well, he you know he stood up to Spider-Man, which is like a bad guy, and we none of us like him. He's just a fucking kid that we dislike." But Superman is somebody that we all like, so there would be some um, there there would be some division between, "Oh, well, is Lex doing the right thing? Well, how could he possibly be doing the right thing whenever he's you know there are these rumors that he's standing up against 
the symbol of truth, justice, and the American way. To clarify, yeah. I'm sorry, Norman Osborn was the was the um, head of security for the United States. Uh, he was never actually the president. Okay. Was he the director of Shield as well, or not? Uh, not the director of Shield, um, but he. I got rid of the page. He wasn't the director of Shield, though. To finish us all off, the story that I think of the Man of Steel most fondly, or the one that comes instantly to mind, actually isn't his own story. It's the one that we're all going to see on the big screen on March 25th. It's, uh, or taken from. The Dark Knight Returns, Frank Miller's seminal work. The reason why I think of that is there are just so many striking images of Superman. Superman is, in that comic book, I think, for better or for worse, distilled down to the core values of what he is, which is um, truth, justice, and the American way, even whenever the American way maybe goes a step too far. And some of the images that I remember from that comic book are some of the most memorable Superman, some of the most heroic images that I've seen of him that, uh, you know, I, I always think of Clark Kent in the, out on the range, I think he was, with President Reagan at the time, and he just looks, he, he looks like the uh, the epitome of, like, what a, what a masculine male would be. He has, like, a open white flowing shirt with his glasses, and he just... So, like, Matt Cassell. That's something like that. Maybe a little bit bigger, maybe the, a little bit beefier. The beef epitome here. of a masculine Masculine man. I feel like you're being sarcastic, but that's okay. <laughs> I think also the color palette that um, they used in that book was so dirty and grimy and dark, except for Superman. He was the shimmering, shining primary colors of his uh, costume. I suppose so, but he was still drawn by Frank Miller. Um, um, well, I'm saying the, the colors that were used to represent, and he stood out very starkly against that dark gritty world that frank miller drew and you know illustrated and kind of i i that's the superman that i always think of he he looked like the superman that we know of from a lot of other iterations the tim sale version of superman the bruce tim version of superman i feel all pull sort of some cues from that version of right. Superman where it, he looks like um, that you you sometimes get a bodybuilder version of Superman but I feel like that Frank Miller version and also the Bruce Tim Tim sale it's more of like a farm boy natural strength kind of version of Superman yeah um, certainly the Tim sale version because yeah. I, I agree with that so that's uh, I mean that's the that's the version of Superman that I always think of. I, I still think that that Dan Jurgens drew the quintessential Superman. Like I, it is the more bodybuilder one, but yeah. it's it's the Superman that you see on all the kind of um, you know promotional merchandising. You would if you go to like J.C. Penney and you and you happen to buy a Superman sheet set, it's going to be mm -hmm. Dan Jurgens' art. Or or is it going to be John Byrne, as Paul mentioned before? Uh, the house style of super, of DC comics was kind of like that john byrne for yeah, a while it, kind of um although i i feel like the dan jurgens version just became synonymous with the character in, in any kind of uh merchandising yeah I'm, I'm willing to agree with matt on this one i think the uh, it's not a huge style shift but 
there's enough difference between comic fans, between uh, John Byrne and Dan Jurgens that I think if Dan Jurgens isn't drawing it, it's more similar to Dan Jurgens than the old John Byrne. Yeah, you think so? If, I have like, I have recent is, comic is book it, Superman is, it's stuff. The, okay, I would agree it is the similar shift where we have the house style from the 70s and 80s, which is of Marvel, which is John Romita. And I would imagine that John Byrne is that house style from that same era. And then we move into Mark Bagley into the, the 90s and 2000s. For the Marvel house style, I can agree that the Dan Jurgens would probably be similar to make that shift. Then. Yeah, DC hasn't, as, as much as the, they've pushed the new 52, DC hasn't been bold enough to be like, hey, Jim Lee's our works on everything. Even though it's all his more. costumes are all over the place and we hate that. Well, yeah, but it, it isn't. You find a lot of Superman, Superman product artwork these days that still has the red trunks, doesn't have the collar. It's still Dan Jurgens style. And, like, it's, uh, you know, if... I had to pick my definitive Superman artist that probably wouldn't be Dan Jurgens, but I mean Dan Jurgens draws a definitive Superman. You know, I'm I'm of a certain age where like in a lot of ways that's that's Superman to me. It's the you know, not just the you know, the line work or the way he's portrayed, but you know, the the physicality, the body language, you know, everything that goes into that artwork about the acting of the character. Dan Jurgens really knows what the real Superman is. Right. Uh, I think it... I want to say it was Fernando Pazarin, but I, I, I don't think it was. the In the mid-2000s, when Greg Rucka was writing Superman, uh, he, was, he had an artist... Um, I don't think it was Fernando Pazarin. I'm gonna have to do some research, but that's probably the definitive super, the, the definitive Superman to me. If I can go back and pick any Superman artist, like he really encapsulated everything that I wanted Superman to be, other than Gary Frank, who draws Christopher Reeve. That would be my pick. Um, my my favorite story involving Superman is the Gary Frank Jeff John stuff. Strictly for the, you know, the the Gary Frank pulling him right out of the films. I mean, nobody else has ever really made it that clear that that's their version of Superman. It it, it just was a great storyline. Usually when I see somebody trying to essentially uh, plagiarize a Hollywood actor as the cast, I don't feel that I feel it's it's kind of cool looking like for example Greg Land is a perfect a perfect example because Greg Land feels like he inserts real life actors into uh, into the comics that he draws so he drew a comic book series called Sojourn for a, a, a company called CrossGen probably about 12 13 14 years ago and uh, there was a, a character in it that basically looked... It was like the sword and sorcery kind of thing. And one of the characters looked exactly like Kurt Russell with a, an eye patch. And, it, you know, at the time I was like, oh my god, it's like such great art. But then I feel like there's it lacks an originality. So, like, while um, Gary Frank did a great job of mimicking Christopher Reeve, I really struggle thinking that's the definitive way that Superman needs to be drawn. The one 
<laughs> the one thing that I can I, I I think I can say about Gary Frank's artwork is that he doesn't trace, which is what Greg Land has been that is true. accused of doing, um, which is probably why that character had an eye patch is because Greg Land probably had a lot of DVDs at his disposal that <laughs> he was you know Wait, making maybe, prints. I, I could. Maybe I made the eye patch up. Maybe I, I, I feel thinking. like he didn't. <laughs> like he's he's famous for tracing even his own artwork. There are entire blogs dedicated to the tracing prowess of Greg Land and how he has plagiarized himself. Hmm. So yeah, anybody out there that's interested, yeah. type yeah. Greg Land tracing. He fucking has an eye patch because he traced that shit. Yeah, there are uh, known examples of him taking Sports Illustrated uh, covers and then basically just making it his own uh, cover. There are a lot of uh, porno screen caps that he has used that people have really? found, and a lot of really <laughs> over enthusiastic. There's some there's some body shots that I didn't even need to research. I looked at that as shit. a as a porno aficionado, as a porno professional. <laughs> yeah, there's there's some shots where I was just like, oh yeah, that's absolutely this chick. Yeah, and I mean, stop he's... reading my comic and go take care of personal business. I mean, Greg Land is despicable with the amount of tracing that he's been proven to have done and it's amazing that he still has a job in comic book I mean I guess you can't I mean what do you do I've never been a Greg Land fan I feel like even when I was just getting into comics I would look at Greg Land stuff and be like oh you totally fucking trace this right right the funniest stuff is whenever they compare Greg Land to Greg Land where he has taken bits and pieces of different covers that he's used and reused them in a different way like just made spider-man a fucking different character and threw him in there and it's just insane i don't fucking know but uh gary frank does not do this no gary frank does his best christopher reeve so happy birthday superman uh, are, are, do we think that we're going to get a version of Superman that we're all going to be proud of in a month whenever Zack Snyder rolls out yeah, his next step? Before the show tonight, we watched uh, about a 45-second clip, the latest in a long line of uh, clips for Superman or for Batman v Superman. And this clip uh, featured uh Superman, Batman throwing down on the streets, and then Superman knocks Batman through a building to the very top of it, where they resume their fight. And uh, afterwards, I think we unanimously just all kind of thought, yeah, I'm excited for this movie. It's going to be really cool. In um, spite of the fact that it feels like, based on other trailers, it's got too much stuff going on, I'm still excited. I'm stoked. I, I'm not quite the 10 that I told you guys that I was months ago, but... I'm a nine. I'm a nine on it. Yeah, I I really wish that I wish that DC and Warner Brothers was able to roll this movie out an entire year earlier. Just have it be the fight between Batman and Superman. Introduce us to Wonder Woman at a separate time. Just kind of be patient with it. 
they're filling everything. They're taking everything and putting it all into this one vehicle. What if it fails? What if we're all pretty positive right now, as we always are, super optimistic, wait, wait. very positive, <laughs> lovingly talking about this film. But what if it doesn't work? What if it fails? What if all the eggs in the basket of Batman v Superman get all crushed up? What do you do then? You already have a Wonder Woman movie set and filming and <laughs> in the works, ready to go. What do you do? I don't think you can reboot at this point. I think you just kind of soldier on and, and try to make a better movie going forward. Uh, there's too many kind of... Um, Poker's in the fire at this point, so we have to at least kind of ride out the current, the current batch and see what happens. I mean, in in a bizarre way, I almost feel like Suicide Squad is gonna end up being potentially bigger than Batman v Superman. Do we think it's the wave of Deadpool our movie? That's what audiences want. Partially, yes. Um, I think that. Given the success of Deadpool, I'm sure that DC is reconsidering how they're going to edit together um, Suicide Squad and probably edit it as an R-rated movie. They've already mentioned this week that there will be a R-rated cut of Batman v Superman. Right, which feels bizarre to me because like, it, it seems like very unnecessary. When have you ever heard of them say, before a film comes out, oh, wait, 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 we're going to have a different cut. Don't worry. If you don't like what you well, see on, on the screen on the 25th. What do you guys think that's really going to entail? Um, Maybe like a couple... F words or maybe some more destruction. I don't know. It doesn't even have to be that because the way that an R rating is assembled is very arbitrary. If you've ever seen what the MPAA goes through and how they decide things, it can be as simple as too many kicks to the head. That's something that gets an R rating. If you kick somebody in the head, that's an R rating. Right. There's been a huge uproar over the potential r-rated release of batman v superman but it's not like you're gonna see clark just plow and lois in well, that bathtub well why not i mean what you're gonna get you're gonna get a little more violence you're gonna maybe you're gonna get some blood somewhere and that's it like no one's gonna be dropping f-bombs you know no one's gonna be getting pegged like it's gonna be it's just gonna be a little extra violence mm-hmm. to just bump them up into that R rating. Right. It's not even like Warner Brothers has all this footage where they're pushing NC-17 the scale of the R rating. It's going to be like, no, you get like PG-13 <laughs> plus. But I think the the thing that we can take away is Warner Brothers and DC felt compelled to say, whoa, you guys like R-rated movies? Right. We got some R-rated because to do. Warner Brothers is the worst. <laughs> They're the worst. Absolute worst. So It's very Deadpool reactionary. Deadpool's awesome. It's filthy. Lots of swearing and violence. And Warner Brothers immediately can't be like... They can't. Can't just be like, well, you know what? We've got a pretty good movie coming out, too. And they could on, do our, it, on our own ground. And they could do it with Suicide Squad. That's, that's right, okay. Right. That feels like an R-rated movie. Warner Brothers is like, ah, we can do that too. Superman's going to be R-rated. He's going to fuck somebody. Ah. Like, Warner Brothers, what's wrong with you? I fucking hate your guts. I hate your guts. You always fucking ruin shit. 
<laughs> I don't think the R-rated release is going to be ruined. It's going to be just fine. It, but it's it, like, people are freaking out online. I'm like, come on, you fucking fanboys. You know, you fucking those dummies. Those are our fans, right? No. These are the fan fanboys. I'm like, listen. you know. Those aren't the hundred people that listen to us. You know it's while. not going to be... <laughs> It's not going to be a Deadpool movie. You're going to get a couple more kicks, maybe a little more bloodshed. It's going to be... You're not even going to recognize what's making it the R rating. I, I agree. I don't think that you'll even be able to pick it out. If I could slap these people in the mouth, I would do it. Wow. wow. Get your shit together. If you're going to be a fucking fanboy and present the news, get your shit together. That's right. If you want to slap in the mouth, Right here, you under guy. Come to what are you gonna slap? Sauce studio, fucking open palm slap. Right? Did you almost say your foot? I thought he was gonna come say on. this. My, is not. Something, I thought he was gonna say my. Oh, yeah, my. This my is foot. not something that I want to purport because <laughs> it's not true. Huh? I'll own up to any. any I mean, I'm just I'll going with what you're saying. That's all. But okay. it's just not me. So, happy birthday, Superman. Cheers, Superman. Paul, what else is on the agenda tonight? We're going to talk a little what you've been reading or a little what you've been watching. We haven't touched... I don't think, well, I can't remember the last time we did a what you've been reading. It's been a long time. Maybe last June. The fans have been clamoring. I think we had a... And, didn't we have like a reading circle and we are like, all right, we're going to talk about this book. I don't know. Uh, Matt, you read something right before we started? I did, What'd yeah. you read? I read a, a comic book called Daredevil. Um, is that the Marvel Daredevil? Yeah, what is it? All new, all happy, all now, Marvel, all, all this new, minute. All, all different than anything you've ever all read before. Day Daredevil? Oh my god. Anyway, they relaunched it at number one. Writer? Charles Soule. Has he been... He's been on it for a, a little bit. No. Mark it was Wade. Wade, and then it was Lemire... And now it's Charles. Lemire Soul, wrote Daredevil. Hmm. Are you sure? I thought so. There was someone between Wade and Soul. I thought, or maybe Soul's been on it the whole time, and they're just renumbering his his run. Talk amongst yourselves. I'll, I'll get to the bottom of this. That's going to be tough because you brought up the subject. Well, but point is, well, we the point can't. is, who the who knows what's going on with Marvel's I renumbering? I feel like they're I feel like they're chasing the dragon. Uh, if people want to read comics, they're just going to read comics. You don't need to renumber with every new arc. The thing about Marvel chasing the dragon is that they're they're catching the dragon every single time because people are eating up these books. They're buying these books. Marvel's always on the tops of the Diamond comic top seller list. Um, I don't nobody think, ever pushes them off. And I, I don't, don't think they're on top because of the constant renumbering and the constant reshuffling. I think they're on top because they have... Some really good creators. Do they drawing or writing and drawing good characters? Do they? I mean, like, I I won't say that they don't have good writers and they don't have great characters because I I believe in the Marvel characters. Make mine Marvel. Oh, Excelsior! I'm a I'm a zombie and I can't and I can't fucking think any other way or else I'd be kicked out of the big fucking club. So I can't say anything different. But I think the the path that they're on is clearly misled. They are clearly doing things that hardcore, long-time readers 
don't like and don't want to see. And we don't want to be gouged with new number ones. You know know what? They don't care about you long-term readers. They really don't. There's another market to tap, and they're trying to tap it. Which is very interesting because DC is taking the complete opposite tact where they're going after the hardcore audience, which is us. And it's like, why can't you try to go after both? But instead, Marvel's going after the mainstream, DC's going after the hardcore, and stupidly, neither company is going after both. Um, to clarify... Can you do that? Probably. Uh, I don't think that they have rocket scientists in charge at either company. Um, and I think the... <laughs> believe it or not, I think the brain trust here at this table could probably come up with a, a better marketing solution for comic books like in the long run than what those two companies have come up with over the last 10 years. But aside from that, I was looking up Daredevil, the the previous volume. I think it's volume 700, uh, where Mark Wade wrote it from 2014 to 2015. It went to 18 issues, I believe, maybe just 17. But Mark Wade wrote it the whole time. There was no Jeff Lemire. Because I think if there was, I would have been all over it. Uh, Big Lemire guy. I, I love Jeff Lemire. And I would have been all over it the same way I was all over this new reboot of Daredevil. I call it a reboot. It's a renumbering because, as I just read it, it picks up where some story left off that I didn't read. Um, so Charles Soule's first issue was number one of this of this new volume, volume 701, for those of you keeping track. And it was number one. And the reason why I got it, though, while I do love Daredevil, I just haven't really been into it. Like, the the Mark Wade stuff didn't seem to grab me. Um, And uh, this, at first, didn't look all that interesting. But as it turns out, Ron Garney, one of my favorite artists, drew it. However. One of your favorite artists. Isn't he, like, your favorite artist of all time? He is not. Um, (laughs) Come on, you dumb shit. No, that would be McSauce's own Rob Liefeld. No. It's, it's Dan Jurgens. No, everyone's wrong. Everyone's it's, wrong. No, it's wait, wait, Todd McFarlane. It's, it is Todd McFarlane. No, it's Eric Larson! E- yeah, Eric Larson. Ding, 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 ding. God damn it. But, but not circa 2016. Oh, no. uh, Todd McFarlane would be number two, and... and Probably Ron Garney somewhere in the top five. We got five. there. But anyway. We got there. But anyway, uh, Ron Garney is is an artist that I have really really enjoyed since probably the mid '90s, and uh, I used to really enjoy his work back when he was on Captain America. Then he went over to um, Silver Surfer, and he did some Punisher stuff, and um, he did uh, what other characters has he done? He did, he, like did Ultimate, he did War. Ultimate Captain America. Did he work on Infinity War? I believe he did. And Ron Garney? Yeah, you're thinking Ron Garney. Ron Lim, shit, no. Yeah, not Which is Ron. another great silver Ron Garney Wars. did um he did Spider Man later on. He did do Spider Man. He he's been mainly a Marvel guy. And here he is back at Marvel and he is drawing Daredevil for I think it's the first time. Um I'm on I'm underwhelmed. The thing about Ron Garney is he... Oh, you know what else he worked on? He worked on uh, Wolverine. He did... um, I believe it was called Weapon X. He did a series called Weapon X for a while. It was a recent version of Wolverine, too. Like, uh, mid-2000s? Late-2000s? Is that right? It was probably 
early really? early yeah. to mid um maybe t- 2005 maybe before that somewhere in there yeah so um the thing about him is he has altered his style depending on what comic book he is working on and I've never seen him deviate quite as far as he has here. Like, I've seen him do stuff where, like, he's very polished, clean lines, and then sometimes you'll see just, like, very tight pencils with no inking, just color over the pencils, and this time his artwork is more scribbly and scratchy. But beyond that, um, the, the entire art style was kind of altered here, where you have, like, it's colored with these really muddy halftone effects, um, and for those that don't know what halftone is, it's like that dot pattern that you would see like in old style comic books, like a like a Roy Lichtenstein painting, like from the sixties, um, like that pop art style. Well, here it's it's using to be an effect rather than an actual like technical limitation the way color was laid with these dots, and um, it, it's kind of interesting looking, but at the same time it just comes off as sort of sloppy so aside from the art not really grabbing me i thought the story kind of sucked it it featured apparently he has some sidekick now that i am not aware of called this is straight out of the 90s guys um what was his name oh i can't wait give me one second give me one second i'm pretty excited i I don't know daredevil's robin daredevil does have a robin now that's terrible um Oh, what the fuck is his name? Give me a sec. Give me a I sec. I dislike this. You, right now, Matt's going through the uh, the book on his beautiful iPad Pro, and I don't dislike it his, at all. His name is Blind Spot. Oh, uh, that's fucking Blind awful. Spot. So here's Get the it? deal. Because Daredevil's blind. Here's the deal. Okay, so number one, Daredevil has a new costume. He, it looks like he's wearing black with red highlights. Either that or it's just the coloring kind of uh, artistic license. That it doesn't taking. look like it because those eyes are bright fucking red. So his his logo appears to be a little different where it looks like the D's are kind of somewhat swooshing across italicized. his chest. They, they do look maybe slightly italicized, but they actually have like like exhaust trails coming off of the off of the top of the curve of the D. Um, and they look like they're moving from right to left across his chest. And I don't know. I just don't really care for that. This this um, art style reads to me like um, it, the Man Without Fear from Frank Miller back in a, the early nineties. A bit, a bit. It's got a little bit of that JRJR look to it, but it it looks to me like they took Ron Garney, who is a very kind of traditional style uh, comic book penciler, and they said, "Hey, look, you remember what what like um, oh what was his name that worked on with Brian Michael Bendis?" Um, Mark uh, Bagley? No, not Mark Bagley. No, I'm Alex Maleev. Alex Maleev. Do kind of an Alex Maleevy kind of thing with Daredevil. Do you feel that that's what they're doing here? Well, it's it's Ron Garney's kind of version. Yeah, yeah I do. It's it's totally desaturated. I see what you're saying, but like I think that, that it, it, it's more JRJR, Man Without Fear. It, it's a that. blend. It's a blend of things, but the point is, I don't like it. it, it to me, it feels like anymore like it can't be daredevil unless it's kind of gritty and dark and 
when I fell in love with the character Daredevil, that's not why I liked it so much. I liked it because he was just kind of cool. Like, I loved that he fought against ninjas and had, like, this martial arts training. I just thought he was such a cool character. And while there is an injection of some kind of, like, cool um, Asian gang or something with this character called Ten Fingers, who I don't even know if that's an existing character... Ian. I don't know. So either. there's this mysterious. Feels like it could be keep, a lot of characters in the Marvel universe. They keep referencing, and at the very end, you see Ten Fingers sitting there with both hands, kind of resting on the table in front of him, and he quite literally has ten fingers on each hand, and he just kind of looks kind of creepy, I think. Um, and it's a it's a neat uh, huh? final That's page. That's gross. Right. He has twenty fingers. He's got twenty fingers. Huh? And they have, you would like it if it was 20 toes. It appears uh-huh. they have either lots of joints or hair on them. I haven't decided exactly what it is. Maybe it's some veins, but um, anyway. <laughs> that's, that's nasty. I didn't love this comic book. Uh, I was awfully disappointed because the thing that brought me to the party was Ron Garney's artwork, and that kind of disappointed me. And I have no affiliation with Charles Soule as a writer. I've never, if I've read anything by him, it was totally forgettable. So, like... This was nothing to me. Um, I own the second issue of the series. I'll give it a try. But beyond that, if it doesn't dramatically pick up, sorry, Ron. Sorry, Mr. Garney. I'm not buying your third issue. So you mentioned that you you don't necessarily like dark, gritty Daredevil. You didn't like the Mark Wade stuff, which is in a response to fans and their dislike of always having dark gritty you know Daredevil. I, i'm gonna sound like very uh fickle but um no go the, ahead the mark wade stuff appeared to me to kind of like because it it didn't take place like at the street level and dealing with like the ninja gangs and stuff like that it felt like it had to go over the top by including hydra and things that to me that's not daredevil to me um, Daredevil is that street level character, but that doesn't automatically mean that it has to have that like dirt look to it. Like it can still be kind of dark and artistic, and still have like a level of polish. Like a perfect example would be like a, a Lee Weeks version of Daredevil. Um, you know, Lee Weeks is a is an artist that is known for drawing two characters, Spider Man and Daredevil. And his Daredevil stuff. There was a three part series that I got called. Um, End Days. End Days, I think it was, or maybe it was End of Days. But anyways, three-part series. Actually, I think it was a five-parter, but I think he drew the first three. um, Where Daredevil is basically trying to get um, these vital organs for a a transplant patient at a hospital during this horrible blizzard. He's trying to get these this life-saving organ to a hospital but he's like wrapped up in the middle of like trying to save some lives and stuff <clears> while he's doing it. it was a really cool story um but uh it, it was okay that i could actually see what was going on in the artwork like it, it was okay you can still tell a good daredevil story and be allowed to see it it like you don't have to act blind because you're reading a blind character is what i'm saying I bring heat just from what I saw from what you were I'm hyperbolizing to make my point you are I don't think that that was not only do I not think that that was that wasn't bad artwork I actually kind of liked 
what it, was going on in that Daredevil book. Look, the, one of the great things about Ron Garney is that the man knows how to tell a story visually by leading you panel to panel, which in my opinion is the most underrated aspect of sequential art. He's incredible at it. He's a master. And he does a phenomenal job here. Where I think he fails is kind of in the technical details as far as like the actual penciling. I'm used to like Ron Garney hooking it up with tight drawings and and you know like the technical prowess matching the layouts and the storytelling ability and those worlds did not mesh in this to me um he certainly and that's kind of a cool thing about him is that he alters his style for i'm assuming this is probably what the writer wanted or the editors wanted like he wasn't like all right everyone stand back i got this i'm gonna come up with this crazy dark gritty thing um not his style. Kind of, kind of a bummer. Ian, have you read anything lately? I read the uh, Doctor Strange one through five. The Jason Aaron and Chris Bachelo. Is that how we're gonna do it today? Bacallo. Bacallo. Are you I would sure? Because you corrected me like he's my friend, and I know because he told me it's Bacallo. But do you know for sure, or is that just your guess? It's a guess. But aside from crap like intuiting, which turned out was the correct pronunciation of intuiting with a little more research. Throwback like eight episodes ago, but that's okay. Three episodes ago. But I I feel like I'm pretty pretty good with names. I feel like it's Bacalo, not Bacalo. Or Bacalo. Or Bacaleo. I feel like Bacalo's okay. But it's it's like Negan... Negan, Negan, I say, I say Negan. I, I say Negan. And Matt, humble gentleman that I am, you were right about Negan the entire time. I was saying Negan. I thought it the was the entire time I was reading that book. But Matt, you you were saying Negan, and that was it. It's officially Negan. So maybe maybe we ought to defer to Matt's pronunciation of Chris. What's his last name, Matt? Buck. Trying to find it. Boo. Um, Bachelor. Bachelor. I always said Bachelor, but I'll say. But the only reason why I threw it to Paul is so that I'm not corrected (laughs) throughout what I'm saying here. So I I make my bones being correct. We'll go with. According to to Reddit, it's (laughs) Bachelor. It may be. I mean, it it may be. I would pronounce it Bacallo. I I feel like that's a little more. uh, There's this more sincere. There's this thing called. It's insincere to say Bachelor, which may be the correct pronunciation. You're you're shitting all over that ch Bachelor. There's this. Maybe that's how he pronounced. There's this comic book. My least favorite part of every podcast, ladies and gentlemen, the grammar section. And what they do is they have all these different creators, and how do you pronounce their names? So there's even a, how do you pronounce this one? J-E-P-H, Jeff. Well, it's funny. funny. Some people say Jeff. <laughs> and, then, and then there's another one Jeff. under it. G-E-O-F-F, Jeff. Geoff. Actually, you know what? And then the person that wrote that signed their name. I, I shit you not, Paul. So Paul, well, Paul's going know, on I comic block. I do know how to pronounce the name G E O F F, as well as Joffrey. I, I think I'll that just was my confirmation name. Joffrey. Joffrey. Yeah, with a Jeffrey with a G. Now, let, like the giraffe. Let it let it be known that we did talk about Melissa 
Benoist, which that is how you pronounce her can, name. Can I? Can oh, I? Pause? And it's super fucked up. Can I it's pause for one up. second? Yeah, okay. Absolutely. So, Paul, you said you you had a confirmation name, and it was Jeff. Jeff Johns, your favorite comic book writer. Jeffrey. Whatever. G E O. Yeah. My confirmation name was Eric. After wow. Eric Larson. Super weird. <laughs> That's weird. That's really weird. I and you hate I, Jesus, I, I, so you never had a confirmation I, I come from a non. What was what was your Satan name? That you had? Uh, they were like Todd. Because <laughs> <laughs> Todd has a D in it, like the devil. Like the, it has a double D, like <laughs> the Dark Devil or the Daredevil. Whatever you know. So I've been reading Doctor Strange, Jason Aaron. We'll go with Chris B. On on art on pencils Can, and colors. Back to comic block for just one second. <laughs> Sorry guys, but Ian, as I'm reading, fuck this, you. This, comic this block. is too funny though, because uh, so I just want to clarify that comic block is absolutely not an official like pronunciation, you know, pronunciation website because somebody says. Ethan Van Skyver is pronounced Ethan Van Syver, and we know that to be definitively incorrect because we asked him in person. That's true. So we can go with Bacallo, Paul's pronunciation. So we can we can stick to our sides until otherwise proven the, wrong. The Paul pronunciation. <laughs> so <laughs> until we meet Chris Bacallo and he tells us, "You dummy." It's like, Bachalo. Hey, it's Bachalo. It's Bachalo. It's Bachalo. It's super soft CH Bachalo. No way. Bacallo. I Bacalo? have. I have no. So uh, I, I have no idea. I was reading Doctor you're Strange. Reading Doctor Strange. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. One through five got got a big chunk of the new Doctor Strange that I'm sure that they're aiming for. Whenever the the late film the when the film hits later is it later this year is that right? I feel like it should be with Johnny Depp. Is it Johnny Depp or <laughs> is mean it Benedict Cumberbatch? Benedict I'm pretty Cumberbatch. sure it's 2018. Yeah, is it 2018? It can't be that far. They have. I they, thought it they was. Have, it. No, it can't you know be what? that far. It like I said earlier, I make like my bones being wrong. I thought it was 2018. Yeah, it's not 2018. If anything, it's 17. I thought it might even be this year, but I could be wrong. Anyway, right. Doctor Strange comic. I always kind of liked Doctor Strange as a character, but I never thought that he had a proper vehicle. I bought a bunch of Doctor Strange books back in the day. Whenever there were crossovers with Infinity Wars, I'd check out Doctor Strange. Always has a lot of hype, but he he never sat well with me as a character. November 4th, November 2016. 2016. That's so this, this year, is this you guys. Year. That is this year. Right, 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 right. Well done, Ian. Hey, I, you know. I so Doctor Strange never sat well with you as a character. Right. I, I never really liked him. But you read. I, I never liked him on his own. I really dug him as a supporting player, and I like the idea of Doctor Strange. But the, you enjoyed The Oath by Brian K. Vaughn. Right, right. And that was probably one of Starring the... Starring role. Probably one of the only things that I could point to. And I think that one of the only things that Marvel fans could point to is a mainstream version of Doctor Strange, which is probably why they got, in my opinion, Marvel's best writer, Jason Aaron, to take on this book... Chris Bacallo, Bacallo, whatever the fuck his name is. Bachelor. 
Bachelot. Great on pencils, does the colors of this book. He the the focus of this book is the strange world that Doctor Strange inhabits and the magic that is flowing throughout New York City. That's something that I always feel like they kind of skipped over. It's something that is ever present in the world of Doctor Strange. It's always happening and they make it very vivid and clear that he is in this constant battle with things that are going wrong with the world that people can't see the unseen world of the Marvel Universe. Doctor Strange kind of gets to have a little bit of fun. He's not just casting spells, but he's using magic weaponry. He's using a magic sword, a magic axe. That's kind of fun. I like it. I totally almost just bought an issue. Just the next one. I was like, whoa, he didn't buy that one yet. Uh, um, Jason Aaron really fills out this world uh, with the different kinds of uh, sorcerers supremes that inhabit the the world the different kind of magical characters that I always feel Marvel kind of gives short shrift DC has a great stable of of magic characters that even had Justice League Dark running for a while and in this book they go to a bar that's filled with all the magical characters in the Marvel Universe and I think that's something that's always lacking and I'm very happy to see Marvel kind of introducing that Especially in this book, because I think that after the film, a lot of people are going to flock to this book, and there's going to be more of a call for the the magic side of Marvel Universe. So, uh, Doctor Strange, the new book by Jason Aaron and Chris Bachelot Bacallo, one through five. We know who it is by now. Now can't uh, can't uh, can't say enough good things about it. I like your endorsement. But after I kind of thumbed through every page that was available here, or you know, art-wise, I think the art sucks. You don't like? Do you? I, do you all? Do you it, always it makes dislike me, him? It or? makes me long for uh, Ron Garney on Daredevil. It's so bad. Um, it's different. It's. I, I look at it, and you know, while I, I'm very much like you, uh, I've never felt that there was a great vehicle to tell Doctor Strange stories. You know, if there were great stories, they were few and far between, whereas he was just kind of a cool peripheral character. Great as a supporting universe. guy. Now, uh, as I look through this, to me, you know, the, the, the colors are there. The, You know, like the cape is there. The, he's doing the thing with his hands. But it just doesn't feel like Doctor Strange to me. It, he looks just like kind of a skinny, twerpy dweeb with a mustache. Like, he doesn't even have... The, the right facial hair, let alone his stature, is minuscule. Like, he he looks so... so uh, Not that Doctor Strange is this big, heroic-looking dude, but he looks yeah, I was gonna almost say, like a... going to say, do you want a gigantic, muscular Doctor Strange? Rob um, Liefeldian Doctor Strange, if you will? Not necessarily, but this one, to me, just feels like almost like a kid cosplaying. Like, I realize that's a shitty version but doesn't it just look like some little dude kind of wearing the costume does it play to the scope of the things that he's up against the magical realm that he's inhabiting going against i don't know um i i feel like there's a little bit more masculinity in the character that uh isn't isn't um being communicated in this artwork i i just I just don't care for Bachelor's art. I, I don't think he's particularly good. Like, I think of some of the previous artists that have worked on comics, like Constantine, um, 
And I, I just think those guys would be more well suited to tell this story. I've never been a huge fan, but I real of of Bachelor's work. But I think it really fits with the. Uh, there are a lot of strange creatures mm-hmm. that are in this world. There, there's a lot of weirdness to this. And mm-hmm. um, if there's anything that I can say about his artwork, it's weird. Okay. And I think that it's a perfect fit for the story they're telling. Um. I mean, I, I guess I could see the more youthful version of Dr. Strange. I, I can see what you're saying there, but I still don't think that it takes away from the character. I actually really enjoy uh, the things that they're doing with Dr. Strange. It's more of... It's 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 a it's the uh, a side of the character that I've never seen before that I really enjoy and I hope translates to the silver screen. Paul, what have you read recently that you want to share with us here at the table and the Adoring McSauce comic book podcast listening audience. I'm going to keep this short and sweet. I've been reading Saga. I read issue 34 that just came out last week, and I wish Saga was as good as it was in the first couple arcs of the series because we're up to 34 right now. And I enjoy every issue, but at the same time, every the last so many issues that I read, I'm... There's a nagging voice in my head that says, I wish this was great again. There was a time when Saga was the last book to be read on the pull list because I knew this was going to be the jewel of my Wednesday. Nothing was going to compare to this. This book was going to blow my mind. It was going to have tight story, excellent characterization. The artwork was going to be phenomenal. The artwork is still phenomenal, but I, I feel like at this point I've seen enough of Fiona Staples' work that... It's not, it's not blowing my mind like it used to. I've I've seen why is that? I've seen thirty four issues. Just of it because you're used to, to this it. Point. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm used to it. It's not, it's not delivering something entirely different anymore. She's it's not still, regressing <clears throat> in any way. No, it's still it's still really good. I, I still really like it. But overall, the story's just it's all it's all broken up. Uh, the first couple arcs are this couple. They have a baby. They're not supposed to. And people are coming after them to get the baby. And it's that it's that simple. It's real tight. You get a sense for Marco and Alana, the main characters, and what they're going through, how they handle everything. Uh, you get a sense for the bad guys that are coming after them. But after the first couple arcs, like everything just splits off. They do these huge time jumps over the last couple arcs. And everyone is in different places. So, like, I'm sure you can relate it to The Empire Strikes Back. Well, we're in the middle of the, let's say, if it's going to be like a 60-run book, like Why the Last Man Was. Let's say it's, you know, a big opus like Brian K. Vaughn's done before. We're in the middle. We're in the Empire portion. Vader's off doing his thing. Luke's on Dagobah. Han and Leia are off in space. They're on Cloud City. Everything does get split up in the middle to eventually be brought back for the final arc. I hope that's the case cuz right now like I'm just I'm just kind of bored. I think that where we are right now because the entire time that this series has been going on, it's told from the point of view of their child Hazel, right? Yeah. That's the narrator it's, of Saga. Right, it's still told from that point of view. It started it 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 always will be. What we're doing right now is we're in the stage where Hazel is of age where we're becoming familiar with this character as a person. 
So it's sort of like growing pains right now, I think. And I, it, I do agree it's not as good as it was, but I feel like it's a purposeful slow point in the series where we're going to grow to love Hazel as a character who is, who is the main character of the book that we just haven't seen yet. And in time, it's going to all make sense. Um, that's how I feel about it. Do you want to sacrifice a full enjoyment of 10 or so issues in order to make the payoff at the end all the better. If it takes a year for us to get familiar with the who actually is the main protagonist of this story, if it takes me a whole year, I'll, I'm willing to go along for the ride because Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona Staples have created enough trust with the quality story for what four years now that I can trust them to take a slow year to build up this character that is uh, essential to the story. Yeah, and I'm not I'm not bailing on it by any means. Like I'm not saying yeah, like, I'm done with this book. It's garbage. Like it's it's still enjoyable, but there was a time when I couldn't extol this book's virtues enough. The you know the way Fiona Staples told the story you know the way you got to know each character even characters like Isabel you and Prince Robot you understood who these characters were everything was in this really tight story but now like we're at the point where you see other fan favorites like the Will and he's a big fat piece of shit and I understand you get to a point where like naturally like that kind of stuff's gonna happen yeah all this stuff happens in space some crazy universe tons of different alien species and a lot of other a, a lot of other stuff but there's a real realistic bend to it the will's gone through some stuff we run into him at a place in the books now where he's not the boba fett anymore he's not this cool guy that we all aspire to be now he's been through some shit he's lost his sister he's lost his pet and now he's he's given up. He's still threatening, but he's not the guy that we see. But that's a natural storytelling payoff that we're going... Like, this is the natural pace of things. Like, this is why it's going to be so gratifying whenever we get to see the Will back in action, fully, fully who we met originally. I get that. We and have I, to go through this. I get that. It's, and it's not just about the Will being in such a low point right now but uh doff and the reporter i don't really need to get into their story all that all that intensely mm -hmm. but i understand why brian k vaughn does because they're the vehicle to reintroduce the will because you know doff and the reporter they're outside characters the will is part of that core of saga so i understand that, that they're the vehicle but that's not part of the story that i really need same with Goose and the Big Walrus. Friendo. Yeah. Like, I get that they're, they're what brings Margo and Alana back around to, to Prince Robot, and that's their connection. But I want these stories to be just as exciting as the first third of the the arc has been. I, I agree with you. I do. But I see why they aren't. You know what I mean? Like, they can't be. They can't be as exciting or as good... We're with Hazel half the time in a 
uh, essentially an elementary school prison. Right. Like, it's not going to be f- super fucking fun. But um, I have full confidence since, you know, we have been with Brian K. Vaughn before on a long journey like this. I think he's a great writer. I think he's going to pay everything off. And it's slow, but I'm there for it. Yeah, I'm in. I'm, I, I'm not going to stop getting it by any means. If I didn't stop getting it during the weird Alana's on drugs on a soap opera nonsense, I'm not going to stop getting it now because I'm way more interested now than I was then. And I think Brian K. Vaughn is absolutely going to pay this off. But that's like that's what's in the forefront of my mind is what I've been reading that I just I just need a little bit more from it. Paul, why do you why are you so sure Brian K. Vaughn is going to give you the payoff? Have you read other stuff by him where he hooks it up? I've read enough from Brian K. Vaughn in the past that I've never been disappointed. I'm not a big Brian K. Vaughn fan. No. Hmm. I read one thing that I really thought was exceptional. It's called Pride of Baghdad. Uh, other than that, no. Not a, um, uh, shit, I just lost it. Runaways person? Didn't like Marvel's Runaways? Uh, I don't know if I read that. No? no. Didn't? Never read Why the Last Man? Never read Why the Last Man. That's kind of what I think we're both basing this on, uh, because it's a similar structure, and I feel like Saga... It's long, it's long form. Wow, they Runaways, haven't announced that there is an Pride of Baghdad, the Oath... You know, way shorter runs, but like this is, I mean, this is this is long. They haven't announced the end, but I expect it to be about sixty issues. Private Eye with him and Marcos Martin yeah. as well mm-hmm. is another quality, really high quality book. So mm-hmm. I mean, I can't name one thing that he's written that I've been like, oh, this is a piece of shit. So I have faith. Yeah, and, uh, based on his track record and the fact that, like, I'm I'm interested. Don't take this review as. Something like Martian Manhunter. This is garbage. No, I Whatever agree, man. It's doing, super. It's super fucking slow. It is. I I read the same issue this week, and I was like, well, this was kind of fucking shitty. Yeah, I agree. But that you know, that's that's what I've been reading. So we're gonna call it quits here for tonight. Thanks to everyone for tuning in and listening. My name is Paul McGinty. Ian Sharpley, Matt Cassell. We'll see you next time. Wasn't Namor a timely character? Man, we are dorks. No, we're cool.